again, let me see. Do you hear, you do, I'm not, that's there, right? Makes me think they are going to answer it. I'm calling up about an order I uh, I placed, and I've just got a question that I wanted to ask about it, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, so I ordered a Capressus uh, Macrocarpa Wilma that was uh, nine centimetres tall, and I was just wondering, do you know how old that plant would be? I don't, unfortunately, no. No, sorry. Mm, yeah, okay. I wouldn't imagine it would be too, too old, obviously, because of the size of them. Um. Okay, but so definitely not 12 months. We get them ordered in. We don't have them on site as such. Okay, and are, when they're grown, are they grown from a cutting or is it a seed? So could it be cut off from an older plant? The best thing to do would be to pop us an email. I'd have to speak to our director to grow them ones on our house, you see. We, we get them brought in, so I don't yeah, know sure. the process that's involved in it. But um, if you pop us an email, we can definitely find out for you. Okay, great. I will I will do. Thank you. Sorry, I know it's quite yeah, a specific it's question. Important. Yeah. yeah, okay, amazing. I will do. Thanks. All right, no problem. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Right, how do you word this? Dear, dear, to whom it may concern sounds way too passive. Hello, let's keep it as hello. Uh, my name, my name is Eddie Hurst, and I would like to ask you about a purchase I recently made. I bought a cypress uh, plant, and I would like to know if it is over 12 months old or, as 9 centimeters does not strike me as that. However, I understand that it was probably from a cutting. Therefore, would that cutting have been over 12 months? I could Google it. I should Google it. I'll Google it. I'll send it too, but I'll Google it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, would a would this cutting be over 12 months old so that it has soaked in enough power from the earth uh, to be infused into a potage that will make uh, the, the, the mix appear full of worms so that I can cast a spell for a guest on my podcast? I think that's a perfectly fine regular request for you to receive and i imagine you have this just on hand hmm on second thoughts maybe i'll maybe i'll rewrite that Welcome to I Pot a Spell on You, Eddie Hurst's wonderful discovery of witches podcast. It's the show where I, uh, Eddie Hurst, the type of guy who thinks a lot about whether there was the option for Mambo number 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10, and whether it was cut for time or whether that was a creative decision, invite guests from across the neurodivergent and or disabled creative industries to talk about their experience, their lives, and also help solve some or all of our problems using the very best in pre-17th century magic spells. 
rituals, and, as often as not, best guesses, to really test my cosmological powers. As you might have heard at the beginning, uh, I have been hot on the trail of trying to find materials for this one, because this has been very much a more potiony based uh, ritual for, for my guests, which are Vicky and Adam from Blink Dance Theatre, uh, where we talk a lot about co-creation and collaboration, which is something that I don't think I'm that great at, personally. You know, I'm not necessarily sure I was being collaborative enough in that conversation at the beginning with the garden centre. Although, I have since found out from Google that for commercial production of cypresses, uh, you will be looking at a cutting rather than from, from a seedling. So, that's, that's good to know, although it does reinforce the fact that rather than having a conversation with someone, I just went to find that out myself. Which, now that I've said that out loud, does feel like a bit of an own goal. I mean, feel like I work uh, alone a lot as a as a comedian. Uh, generally, we you know we write our own material, we perform our own material, we drive or travel ourselves to gigs, we perform at the gigs on our own on stage. Uh, hopefully, there's an audience. That's that's always a bonus. Uh, and then we we go home on our own and we think about it uh, on the Todd. On the Todd. That sounds like I'm, I've, I've said on the toilet. On my Todd. Is it on? My Todd. Anyway, I thought that they might help me in figuring out how to collaborate um, because uh, I, I was hoping the garden centre might be a little more involved than they were, but they were very friendly all the same, and I'll see if they reply to my email at some point. But before we get into the chat with Adam and Vicky, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please like, rate, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, tell your friends if you like it. If you don't like it, tell them too. You know, different people like different things. And also, if you would like me to do a spell for you, Drop me a line. Uh, you can get in touch with me via my website, or that's edyhurst.co.uk, or just at Eddie Hurst on uh, ed- most most of the social medias. You'll probably find me on there. Anyway, uh, I've got to figure out how how I word this email to the garden centre. Um, let's see if I get a response from him. Uh, in the meantime, why don't we why don't we dive right into my interview with Vicky and Adam? There we go. Okay. That felt like a very broadcast thing. So thank you so much for joining me. Hello and welcome. Would you like to introduce yourselves uh, to, to the podcast? My name is Adam Smith and I'm a tall white man with black hair, blue eyes, and I'm wearing a black shirt with the Blink Dance Theatre logo on All it. Brand. All yeah, brand. yeah, exactly. The brand <laughs> and just fantastic. And um and I'm a freelance actor, musician, composer, facilitator and co-director. And one of the companies that I work for is Blink, which is fantastic. Yeah, and you're also a board member as well. Yes, I'm also a board member as well. <laughs> so I just joined the board last year and it's been really great to have been able to see how the board runs and the financial decisions that everybody has to make and to kind of be witness to how the company goes forward and what they want to achieve in the future, which is fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations. You've been there a year. Is it like near the anniversary of it or is it just the general 12 months? I think it's been the general 12 months, I think. Congratulations on the general anniversary then. Excellent. Thank you. My name is Vicky Hawkins and I am a white woman in my 
nearly late thirties, and I have long um, hair that's got a tiny bit of pink left in it, and I wear purple square glasses. Um, and I am a co-director of Blink Dance Theatre, and also one of the founders. Um, we are a um, neurodivergent director group of four artists who, and we like sort of co-create performances and sensory workshops and we also run training such as our really popular training which is called RULD Friendly which is helping venues and organisations to think about how they are accessible or not accessible to people with learning disabilities as there's a lot of work around sort of like putting in ramps and hearing loops and stuff like that but not so much work thinking about neurodivergence and learning disability. Um, yep so that's who we are but we have a much wider network of amazing freelancers such as Adam, freelance artists such as Adam and um, so yeah and we run dance and theatre and music sessions throughout the week seven seven sessions a week 169 people participants a week and we reach at the moment mostly people with complex needs um, who are non-verbal and have communication barriers and at the moment one of my favourite classes is the class that Adam runs, not just because he's here, but it's an amazing <laughs> immersive music class for adults with profound learning disabilities. Yeah. And what I love about it is it's so all of our work is like quite urban and like youthful and like fresh and current and like very aware of like current trends and sort of inner city vibes and so what Adam and Gigi have been doing is like breaking down like Snoop Dogg yeah. like songs and loops and like making that into like tactile um, experiences on the body and yeah just like amazing really fresh work which is like really far away from waving colorful scarves and um doing sort of nursery rhymes for adults which you know has its place but it's not it's not where we're not where we're at so yeah so beautiful love it and i guess i've gone on quite a long time but yeah Essentially, that's what we do in a nutshell. If you'd spoken to Rachel, she might have spoken more about the... She might have wrapped it a bit more in, like, the performance work, but my passion and my energy is in the participation, so you've got that spin on things. So as well as directing and performing in our shows, I also head up all of um, Blink's education work and work with participants, which I love. And thank you so much for coming on the show, both of you, and also for some excellent descriptions as well. We're in an audio medium, so... It's funny, isn't it? When you do a lot of live stuff, you, you obviously do the audio description too, but like here, ev everything needs to be audio described. Oh. I, don't, I don't have a point with that. That was just a thought that occurred in my head. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. To Elvis Died of Burgers. Am I right that that's the most recent Blink show? It is, yeah. We're still wrapping up the end of our tour in um, November. Um, so, yeah, it's, the, it's definitely still very present in our lives. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I loved, the, oh, I loved the show. It was great. Thank, thank you. you so much for letting me watch it. No, um, good. Yeah, it was brilliant. Um, one of the things, I've got loads of questions about it. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask both of you, um, and it'll be really interesting, Adam, um, to sort of see, as, as you've been with Blink on the board and as director, I, as a, as a stand-up comedian who is gradually doing more theatre or live performance making that involves collaboration with others, stand-up comedy is so much you're on your own. And so much you're making your own show and you're registering your own show and you write your own show and then you take your own show and then you leave on your own after you've done your own show. Mm. I was just wondering, like, 
what's it like collaborating with other people? <laughs> like, that's such a, like, a broad question, but you're such a collaborative group. We are. Um, and I think, like, having, like, co- working as co-directors, it'd be great to hear more about that and how you sort of build collaboration in kind of before you start making the things both performed together in another show called It's My Move. And basically that piece involves a lot of transitioning from school to either the working world or to college. Mm. And that was my first time of actually working with Blink. And it was really great for me to get to know how Blink work and what kind of things they do in terms of their dancing and how inclusive they are with people who are nonverbal and the way they make things accessible. So I think it was really a great learning curve for me to get to know Blink and what they do mm. and how they perform. Adam, you now teach fast on our programme. So um, on Fridays, Adam and our other artist, uh, Gigi, um, teach uh, extraordinarily beautiful immersive music class it is really like so progressive and so amazing and you teach for blink but i I guess in terms of directing blink's work that's very much like myself rachel delson and francis currently who work on the director shows so yeah working with other people i mean i don't really know how to do solo work so it's quite hard to know to say like how does it work comparatively so i don't have any have another experience but i would say like with with Blink, it takes a really long time um, for us to do it because we're very integral to being four equal non-hierarchical directors. But obviously we have mm. quite a lot of differences in our personalities and how we process the information and everything. Um, and I like to say this a lot, but we've also, we have actually been called too integral um, by a very um, high up piece of arts professional who I won't mention their name, which I wear like a badge of honour because I just think like I don't want Blink to run if we're not being integral. And just to give a bit of context, one of our directors is non-verbal. So we do work quite a lot in the non-verbal, I suppose. And if we're making decisions, we will move, for example, say one person either with us, Paul Becker on their own, will like, make a statement like, I think Blink should only do work about burgers going forward. And if they really, really believe that, then we move forward close to the chair. And if we really don't believe that, then we move further apart. So we're always like using our bodies in the space to make decisions, never just sitting down and talking. So I suppose like in a way to be collaborative for me personally is like holding my ideas like very lightly and always being prepared to bring ideas, but always sort of like holding them sort of yeah for example i have this like really strong example from our first show um four corners which was semi-autobiographical and it sort of like brought the four directors like stories together and i remember this moment where delson just like stood up and we'd like got the story all sorted and everything like that and then he stood up and he did this like thing on his head like making like two sort of like stag horns and it was a show yeah which very much didn't have stags in it and he was like, I really want a stag. I, re- I was really into it, kept repeating it. And we were like, okay. So we sort of like created, he was like a fitness instructor and we created like this really hard 
um, fitness like yoga pose that was called the stag and he created this move and then like yeah it sort of just became a thing and so I guess for me it's just like always holding this idea I was kind of like the audience aren't going to get like why they're suddenly doing a stag thing it's kind of like going on a bit of a tangent it's maybe like not making the story make sense but it's like actually that's not the important thing the important thing is that for me I was like right now Delson like knows very much that his idea is in it he's really feeling it he's gonna like love it you know performing even more it's gonna be and it became like a really amazing bit of the show because he just like came on with like such drama and did this relatively like you know small part of the show with so much commitment and you kind of think yeah it's like really cool you never quite know like which way it's gonna go but sometimes it's really hard like you know we do really long days and we do like mega like long processes and stressful periods and stuff when you were saying about having i guess sort of organically happen through Mm. the process or like your the collaboration is leading what goes into the work. Mm. There was a bit in the particular recording that I saw of Elvis died of burgers that I think really highlighted that so nicely. Was that mm. I think it was about bubbling like oh yeah, Rachel's uh, one of the saying bubbling, and then an audience went champagne. Yeah, and that was just that was like yeah, like champagne. And it was <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Nice. It was such a lovely, like, <laughs> especially like like first five minutes of the show, like showing the relationship with the audience being there as well and then being as much a part of what's happening in that room mm. it's really beautiful and yeah. so, so like fun and joyful thank you we try really hard to get the balance because we want the audience like we do relaxed performances every time and so we really invite the audience um, to be a real part of it verbally and everything like that and that's really been inspired by our work with Tourette's Hero. Um, if you don't know them already, they're a great friend of ours and, and have really like cool. um, sort of helped us with that. And I suppose like what is difficult is because of our access needs, it can get quite complicated. So I'll speak about mine because I have anxiety. Like I actually hate audience participation. And so if I'm in a show where I am going to have to be picked to be in the audience even I'm a theatre maker and I'm quite a confident person I don't know there's just something about it I find it really challenging and so I'm really strong about like I don't want that in our shows because I don't want anyone to feel like I do so it's kind of like getting this like vibe going where the audience know that they're free and it's easy and they can but not ever like making it feel like someone's going to be picked to do something So it's getting this like balance, you know, and that's just a personal preference because of my experiences with anxiety. And then I suppose there is occasionally like if the show goes too much down a a tangent, like for other members of our company, like it can sort of make the running time quite long and venues get really Mm -hmm. arsy about running times. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But anyway, I think we'd rather have it that way. Mm -hmm. We'd rather get a bit told off. Yeah. And I suppose with me, because first of all, I started off as an actor in Tramshed Theatre and I was part of Shouts Youth Theatre and then I progressed to the adult programme Reach Theatre Company so I was only part of that company first of all but then I did the performance making diploma course at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama and I was with a company called Accessible Areas Productions and basically through that I learned a lot of different theatre techniques I learned about different theatre makers, different theatre companies and how they work. Mm. And it also gave me the chance to develop my solo writing skills and ensemble skills as well. And it was really great for me to get to know what other theatre companies were out there and the way they work. And then since graduating, I basically 
introduced myself to so many different theatre companies like Facefront, Access All Areas Productions, Vital Exposure, Blink, Ignites Me Workshop Theatre and Freestylers as well as other companies and basically in terms of being collaborative I've just listen to other companies' ideas, the way they work, the way they are accessible, the way they make workshops and performances accessible. And I've tried to gain in those skills myself and listen. And if I need to think about an idea, if I need to come up with an idea, I think about it first of all, and then I think, okay, is this idea suitable? Is it going to be accessible or not? But then when I think that this idea is valid, I'll kind of say what the idea is and basically see if the idea is worthy or not, which is fantastic. And during my time as a freelancer, I've also been very, very fascinated to hear about other people's lived experiences and what they've been through. And one in, one of the companies I worked for is called Ignite Me Workshop Theatre. And basically, over the past couple of years, we've done a show called Unheard Voices. And the show is about a series of monologues. And each performer has a monologue to perform. And... When listening to all the other monologues, it's been really great and really thought-provoking and really useful to hear their lived experiences, what they've been through and what they've achieved. And through my monologue, it's about co-teaching a drama group for the first time by myself and basically believing myself that I can actually do that. Basically, I talk about there's a little devil inside me that's basically yeah, yeah. stopping me believing myself that I can do this. It's about me just going straight into teaching and working with the company by myself without any kind of preparation. And I did run that drama group by myself for a while and... It was really, really fantastic to run it by myself. And then after the session had finished, I was able to kind of say to the devil, you know what, considering that was my first time, I think I did a fantastic job. You know, you may have made me feel uncomfortable, but you haven't stopped me from mm. achieving what I want to achieve. And as a neurodivergent artist and leader who's learning the trade, I think I've made my contribution to all the other learning disabled artists and neurodivergent artists in making sure they have leadership roles in the world in order to make this world a much more inclusive place to live in. So that was brilliant. So that was my monologue and yes, exactly, yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. yes. Mic drop. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but that idea of the devil is something that's really knocking about my head yeah. at the moment. Because this is the thing with witchcraft is it's accused of having the devil's mark. Mm. And it was just it was just a sort of funny I don't know, you always think that negative energy, that mm. sort of thing. Like where did the idea of the devil come from? Basically it was just the image that came into my head because obviously watching a lot of like fantasy shows and everything, and I think that was where it came from. So for me it was like the devil, but for other people it could just be just a negative voice and stuff. But for me it was like the devil trying to stop me from doing what I want to achieve. Adam talking about the devil inside his head got me thinking maybe that's why I'm struggling with collaboration maybe there is a devil inside my head that is preventing me from doing it and you know what maybe it's about time I had a word with that guy or girl and tell him to knock it off here we go right let's go down the stairs 
open this creaky door here. What? Hey! Devil in my head. Yes! I, I feel like I really struggle to collaborate with people and be open in a, in a creative and, and professional capacity with them. And I was just kind of wondering, is that, is that something you're doing to me? No. It seems to me very much like collaboration is a, is a, a skill, something you have to practice. It's not just a thing that people are naturally able to do. And perhaps I have created some doubts in your mind about your efficacy of it. But certainly I couldn't be to blame solely and squarely for all of the problems that you're facing with this. I feel like that's much more of a you problem that you need to sort out. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm really trying to think of a decent dossier of worries and concerns to bring to you at 3am tonight. Oh, well, when you say it like that, that does seem does seem fairly reasonable. Okay, I'm going to go back to, to Vicky and Adam then. Thanks thanks very much. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Bye for now. <laughs> uh, nah, you're all right, actually. We're just going to think about how the Venger Boys made a concept album again. Oh, yeah, I love that. Great. <laughs> Obviously, I had to kind of say, look, you know, that considering that was my first time, I did a fantastic job and mm. everything. And in terms of that monologue, we performed it to various different places and took it on tour. And it was really, really fantastic for all of us to share our stories to the audience and for the audience to kind of hear our stories and maybe relate to our stories as well. I'm sure lots of other people will have something in their head or in their bodies that makes them feel as if they have to doubt themselves, makes them feel unconfident and stuff. So I think it was really great to reach out to an audience and for the audience to kind of um, hear our stories and relate to the stories as well, which is fantastic, yeah. yeah. And also the other film that I showed you was a cabaret show called Not Effing Sorry. And basically that idea came from a little sharing that we did for the exit festival for when we did the performance making diploma and basically it was an original exit festival performance making diploma piece which is basically about neurodivergent people make making sure they know they're beautiful inside they're beautiful in all different ways and and basically it shows that neurodivergent people are allowed to think, you know, naughty thoughts. They're able to go out and enjoy themselves. And basically we developed that show later on. And basically we talked about in the show a lot of bullying and hate crime that has happened a lot with neurodivergent people and the statistics of that as well. And then we talked about sexual fantasies in the show and what our sexual fantasies are yes even though we're neurodivergent we're still entitled to have sexual fantasies and basically we have the right to live just as much as everyone else okay we're not like charity or anything like we don't deserve all that rubbish anymore we are who we are and we deserve to live just as much as everyone else, basically. And yeah, so that show has evolved a lot and we performed it for two runs at Soho Theatre. And then basically when that show was finalized, we created a company called Not Your Circus Dogs. And that's the company that 
created the show, Not Effing Sorry, and it was in collaboration with Daisy Hale, who is the producer, and Access Hilarious Productions as well. So we did it for two runs at Soho Theatre, and then we toured the piece to the Attenborough Arts Centre in Leicester, and also the Contact Theatre in Manchester, and then we've also performed it at the South Bank as well, and we've also performed it at the Old Library Theatre in Mansfield near Nottingham. And yeah, I think the show has had great success, and it was given a five-star review, and I think it's just been really, really great to tell our stories and show the performance to everyone and for the audience to kind of relate to our lived experiences and so forth. So it's just been really great to be part of it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how have you, I guess this is a question for both of you as well, but like the word in my head is vulnerable and I'm trying to turn it into a question. <laughs> I guess I feel like the things that you're talking about on stage with these and the sort of position, like with Elvis Died of Burgers as well, yeah. it's so playful, and but it's also like, it's not shying away from like, relationships with eating and with death mm. and things like that and and about like the name not your circus dog and it is a challenging like showing agency isn't it mm. like presenting yeah. agency as part of a performer but i guess like how does it feel like being up on stage and being that sort of like raw and honest well i've had experience of that this year because i in elvis Burgers i have a monologue myself which is a true story and we were t- for two weeks at edinburgh fringe so like day in day out i was like telling my story and it was about my childhood and a story to do with my mum being in hospital for a long time and yeah i think it is it is a lot like and there's no real answer about how to do it well we did work with a drama therapist Nikita who is incredible and yeah she like helped us to like really think about like boundaries I think what she really helped me to do and us to do is to not be too worried or like conscious about the audience's opinions and so that really helped because I remember when we did our um, previous show Girl Meets Boy and I can't remember but there was some sort of like audience comment afterwards and we really struggled with it because it's obviously straight after the show and it's fresh and everything like that and so Nikita did a lot of work with us she's like if you're going to tell these stories like you know people are going to say things but you have to sort of like hold the show and know what you're doing for yourself like it's it's your art and it's your expression like you know no one tells a lawyer like how to think about their job outside of the context of them doing a good job in what they've trained in you know and so that's really helped me and I feel like actually any good artist probably should be I guess not overly thinking about the audience in some ways like I don't know like if you're doing visual arts you're not really thinking about how the audience is perceiving your work and so I think that's what's really helped me and it's easier than it sounds and to be honest like one of the highlights of Edinburgh Fringe was like a a man came up to me at the end and he just he had tears in his eyes and he just gave me a hug and he just said thank you and he just left and you know that moment I really stood out to me so I thought there were two strangers and like the fact that I've managed to connect with someone like that but not even have really any words around it is, is quite powerful yeah. and it just reminds me of like 
the humanness of it all, right, really, and the liveness of what we do. So, yeah, I can't pretend that it's not great when I do have that response, but I think I've moved forward as an artist in terms of with the work I've been doing with Nikita, just just really sort of experience it for myself, my own terms, and just be, like, really proud of of what I do and what we do, regardless of of how it's perceived. And I feel, like, really grown up and, like, really mature. (laughs) Because I'm like, yeah, thanks so much, but I don't really care. (laughs) No, I'm joking. (laughs) But it does feel like a different stage of my career or something, yeah, just to feel a little bit more like owning what we do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Mm-hmm. The idea of the boundaries as well is really in, like, mm. is that in terms of emotional boundaries? Yeah, I think so. I guess it is holding like emotional boundaries, and I think as well like we are trying to move as our team's growing. We are trying to move to like we're not being the ones that are doing the evaluation because it's very hard like doing the work like when we're small and then we're asking people about it straight afterwards. And I think we're moving. Yeah. towards being a bit more separate from that so we do have that emotional boundary but it's easier said than done but yeah I guess there's an element of like when we used to come out after our shows we always had in our mind like oh this funder like needs us to ask questions so you're asking like how did you find that bit how did you find that bit and now I'm just kind of going like how was your journey <laughs> and then if people yeah. if people want to say something like they can but I just think like there's not that like desperation of like having to find out loads of stuff it's the same thing with me obviously when we're researching a lot of the hate crime statistics and everything it was uncomfortable to research and so forth and sometimes if you're telling a story it can be a little bit uncomfortable inside or very uncomfortable inside but I think with me there was always the kind of support around me Mm. if I needed to speak to someone about how I was feeling and so forth. So it was really great to have that support in place and that was really great. And obviously in all the shows I've done, the support has been really wonderful. So I ever feel uncomfortable at any time, then I can speak to someone. Mm. I can speak to Vicky, I can speak to everyone else. And obviously there are some shows I finish performing then I'm thinking okay is someone going to give me some criticism straight away as I come out of the show but I think when I do feel like that sometimes I'm like okay I might just just step outside for a little bit and I'll say to someone who is supporting me and I'll say I'm just going to step outside for a minute and then when I'm ready to come in I'll come in and everything I'm working on like supporting myself and setting myself boundaries as well and I'm working on you know if I need to speak to someone if I'm down then I'll reach out and speak to someone and yeah Yeah. I think that's always a a working progress definitely Mm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. that's something that I really wish I was better at is that like just taking out of us just being like I'm going to take myself out of a space for a minute Mm. and I'll be back Mm -hmm. and being able to communicate to somebody to be like I'm doing that for me Mm. and you have to deal with it or not like in a, not like deal with it like mm. but you know what I mean yeah. being like I need this for me and I need to care about me in this moment mm. and I think that's really powerful mm. how have you found advocating for yourselves something that's really helped us is we've all got access riders um, and that is for everyone whether they consider themselves neurodivergent or not and so it gives you a real space just like write down the things that may occur and then you give it to someone and I, if I had an interview I probably would try and do that and so it's like almost like a worst case scenario thing I guess but 
yeah I just I get that. used like to a, like sending it risk assessment it basically is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have one as well? Yes, yeah. definitely. So it's like a support plan, basically, you know, so basically Accessful Areas Productions created one for me years ago when I started working for them. And basically we were in like a safe space and basically we had one-to-one support and basically we talked about what we need to do our best work Mm. and what our access needs are and everything. And then last year I updated it and just added a few more things in terms of jotting down what I need in order to do my best work. And obviously before any kind of performance or facilitation project, basically we always kind of sit down and Sometimes we might just talk to our creative support worker just to say how we're feeling and what we need before any session starts. And sometimes we're sitting in a circle or in a circle with chairs and basically we write down what we need to do our best work in, you know, what our triggers might be and everything. So I think it's a good way to just be honest about yourself and be honest to other people and just say to them you know what do you need in order to enjoy what you're doing mm. basically yeah i think it's really important to create a space even if it's like it feels a bit yeah yeah for me like i i have quite yeah. only quite recently sort of again i've kind of like known a few like physical diagnoses for a while but i really quite recently sort of like began really thinking about my neurodiversity and like sort of trying to like advocate and hold a bit of space for that so I can hear you with that and I feel like I spend a lot of time supporting people so like to now go and say what I need is like super uncomfortable and Mm. I do find it really hard and I find it really hard to stick to but I think for me Link have kind of like sat me down and said you have to do it like maybe do it and it's like there's something about even just the initial sitting down and thinking about it like even if I didn't have like our access and inclusion manager I just think like just getting anyone to do that like it's just really helpful and I guess in doing that it's helped me to just allow myself to be a bit more self-reflective so I guess I'm just like overall you know I don't know how I'm going to feel in that interview with five people, but I'm just allowing myself just to be like, okay, I don't know. And I'm now I'm in a headspace where I'm allowing myself to be more self-reflective. So I'm going to think about how I am and I'm going to add it to my access rider. So it's like, I've got the document and I'm not saying that it's finished. I guess I'm like in a space, I'm allowing myself to be in a space where I'm thinking about myself and my own needs. Yeah. And that's a good start, I think. How much of the, yeah, it's because you have such a broad... Like the, 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 I guess the format of the work that you do is so broad. Mm. It's really interesting that like, how do you see facilitation compared to like performance? When, when does that like, or when does co-creation stop being like co-creation in terms of like workshoppy facilitation things? And when does it turn into performance? Is it just like we set a time? Yeah. So we just like in the room. Yeah. So every other day, every other day, every I wish every other year we do a director show, which is like a big tour. And then in between that, we do something called blink lab, which is an opportunity for someone that's not in the director team to have a go at directing. So next year, one of our artists, Sabir is co-creating a show for people with profound and multiple lensities which is going to be performed outside in collaboration with Battersea Arts Centre's Beatbox Academy so yeah so we, so that's very much like the shows and then the participation work sort of like happens with some of like the Blink Director team and then a whole other range of people 
And I would say all of our work is co-created because we come with an idea, like with what like with what you're doing, Adam, you come with a song, but like Adam's like absolutely incredible. Like someone will have a vocalization or like come with something like quite unusual and Adam will like incredibly skillfully with his masters in music composition. Music, yeah. music composition yeah. will sort of like beautifully put that person's voice like within the music and it will just layer and layer and so it's always pretty co co-created I guess because otherwise I think people would just not really understand somehow it's for them yeah yeah and and, and in terms of me because I've being a freelance art artist it's been really great to get to know various different neurodivergent companies out there like blink like accessible areas productions like face front Vital Exposure, Ignite and Hackney Shed and Freestylers and it's been really great for me to learn how to be more inclusive in my work, in my facilitation and performance like using Makaton for scenes, Makaton for facilitation exercises. Currently learning how to be a facilitator because um, a few years ago I did a project called Transforming Leadership with Accessible Areas Productions and it gave nine of the artists a chance to take on leadership roles within the company and this project was collaborated with AAA Accessible Areas Productions, Manchester Metropolitan University and with Dr Lucy Burke and basically we created this training programme where each of the artists has a chance to take on a specific leadership role within the sector and, mm. and obviously my job was the co-director of the community programs and you can learn so much from so many different people mm. which is fantastic you know and it's always a continuing process yeah, definitely yeah. always evolving which is fantastic mm. yeah <laughs> So obviously I've invited you on the show because I am now a witch. Mm. I have the magic coursing deep within my bones and blood, I think. I don't know if it goes through the blood or the bones. So I'm just, I'm hedging my bets and I'm saying it's both. Maybe the skin? Yeah. I don't know. I'll figure that out at another point. That's not for, that's for me to, to sort out. But of course, uh, I, I asked you if there was anything I could use my magic to help you out with. And so would you like to share what your request was? So we've done one each. We've taken the liberty of really getting in deep with this magic and really taking advantage of it. Um, and we, we can decide on one, so we've gone for one each. Yeah. So my one was to be able to feel and benefit from the comfort of animals wherever I am, even if there's not an animal present. And my spell would be to feel that I am in a safe and secure place. I think that's the general meaning for my spell, definitely. Brilliant. These are both great choices, uh, and I feel very confident in my ability to 100% successfully deliver these for you. Okay. Uh, now, just to preface, <laughs> so I have been in, in what I think is a very healthy use of time, actually, spending a lot of time reading grimoires and spell books of the sort of 1800s and back. So... I'm related to the Lancashire witches 
uh, in the 1612 trial. So I'm trying to figure out what magic they would do. Mm. And for both of your spells, I've used this book here, which is a small black Amazon printed, like, you know, one of those books from Amazon that you've ordered and mm. clearly they've printed it just for you because they didn't expect that many people to want it. <laughs> so it's one of them. Right. And it's called Witchcraft Detected and Prevented. I'll go for your spell first, Vicky, if that's okay. Sure. Which is for always drawing the comfort of animals. Mm. I'm guessing you like animals. I do, yeah. It'd be weird if I didn't. Hey, look, may maybe you just... Well, because you said you didn't want the animals necessarily to be with you. It might just mm. be like, you know, a zoo, you can enjoy an animal. But you're not <laughs> I think it's just like you can't have an animal like really going like just in your everyday life. Well, I suppose you can, but I can't. So I want to feel like I do have one when I don't. Fair. Do you have any pets? I've got two cats, yeah. How old are they? Is that a thing? Do you ask people how old they are? <laughs> well, because I, I don't have children, I actually quite appreciate stuff a little bit like more like, oh, I've got like, you know, something I can talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they must be about six now, both of them. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Rescued them. Do they get on? Yeah, they love each other. They lick each other's faces and that. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. It's a bit too much. Okay, fair. <laughs> so... Obviously, animals had a very different role for people then. Mm. So you'd have livestock and you would have like cats and dogs and things, but they were also fulfilling a purpose. Yeah. So what I have found is, is not necessarily somebody getting, getting like to pet animals and things, but I did find in here from Albertus, who is a, a famous alchemist. Mm. Have you heard of Albertus? I, I have not. No. Uh, no. Yeah, no, good. Okay, good. It wasn't just me. That's a relief. <laughs> so this is a part where he's talking about all the herbs he's noticed. So Al the next herb Albertus notices is balm gentle, of which Mesa speaks. This herb, being gathered green and moistened with the juice of a cypress of a year's growth and infused into pottage, will make it appear full of worms. Let it be fastened to an ox's neck and he will follow you wherever you go oh, yes <laughs> i i was so, not expecting it to turn out like that when you said that <laughs> i right every every sentence is a new adventure i'm you chuffed a bit for that mm -hmm. i'm chuffed a bit with that so here's what i've got for you um and i'm just i'm just showing to the camera uh, and for listeners it's a small jar a small glass jar in this is pottage which i didn't know but it's like a mix between soup and porridge so i've done that and then i got some balm gentle which is lemon balm which is like a very strong herb got some of that and i also got a, a bit of a cypress tree which obviously wow. it had to be over a year. So the one I managed to get was about 15 centimetres tall, which turns out is about three months, which admittedly is less than 12 months mm -hmm. that you'd want for the year. However, I spoke to the lady at the garden centre as I picked it up and she was very friendly and she explained Thank that God. it was a cutting of yeah. another tree. Yeah. So, you know, the other tree's got to be over a year, right? Yeah. So if anything, we've over-delivered on the Gone age of the over, over and board, <laughs> above and beyond, yeah. So this is a little pot of that for you, which so I'll cute. send to you to use. I, I mean, you might want to put it in a smaller container, but I think essentially how I think it's going to work is if you get it around the neck of any animal, they'll, yeah. they'll follow you around. Great. I don't know. I don't know. You will have to update us on whether it is just livestock that it works on. I might start small just because I don't know what the following's going to look like. It might, you know, I'm sure it'd be friendly following, but I might start small. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Adam, your request was for um, something to give you sort of safety. Yes. Um, when you're out, is that a, a, a big concern? Uh, yeah. Sometimes on a walk about in the streets, you never know if some people are going to pass you really abruptly on bikes and on scooters and that can be a bit of a problem and obviously sometimes you hear cars and motorbikes going past really fast and the loud noise is a bit too much sometimes and obviously I like to feel more safer on the roads and Sometimes I prefer to go to safe places like the woods and everything so I can just walk around, breathe in the fresh air and just basically enjoy the outdoor world much more, I think, you know. So that's what I'm hoping to feel in the future, definitely. Well, yeah. brace yourself because you're going to feel it. I've got it for you. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> So uh, what I found was obviously like car noises and things, they weren't around 1600s, um, which I mean, like, I don't know, I keep finding myself just jumping out of my skin when you're walking down the street and there's like, I don't know whether it's the area I live in that like, I just always seem to be at the start of an ambulance Mm. in an emergency, you know, like the start of the alarm. Yeah. That's a real, it's such a sharp start. Mm. I know, definitely. Yeah, it's just like those, it's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. like so sharp and it's so abrupt. And scooters, scooters, like the electric scooters. I feel like that's going to be such a. Do you remember like years ago when it was like, oh, do you remember the 70s and do you remember the 80s and there were the like the decade memory, like the TV mm. shows and things? I think electric scooters are going to be like one of them things in a few years' time. Like, do you remember when everyone was round on electric scooter? Yes, I, I do. <laughs> yes. It was a They're so quick and slow at the same time. They don't fit in any box, do they? Yeah, definitely. Have you ever been on one of them, Adam? No, I've never been on electric scooters, but I used to have like one of those silver scooters years ago. They were very, very tight scooters with those small wheels, and I used to ride out along the pavement in my road, and I used to have like a green scooter with like a colourful footrest and everything with a little bell to press to kind of indicate to people that I'm coming through and everything so I did have just the normal manual scooters but I've never had an electric scooter you know so yeah and I used to ride my scooters and my bicycles in the woods and everything because I live near a woodland area and sometimes I feel much more safer when I'm riding bicycles in the woods rather than in the streets if you know what i mean so yeah yeah absolutely so the spell i have for you adam is all of this is from albertus magnus's investigations of the virtues of certain herbs certain herbs not every herb just certain ones and this is the secrets of nature section so the heliotropium or sunflower says our naturalist is is endued with wonderful virtues For if gathered when the sun is in the fifth sign of the zodiac, and wrapped in a laurel leaf, thereto being added a wolf's tooth, the person who carries it about him shall find that nobody can have the power of using any other than mild language to him. So hopefully this is going to, you know, once you've got this and you carry it around with you, people can only use mild language at you. Yeah, I think that sounds really, really powerful. And I think I'm going to definitely 
acknowledge that and remember that when I'm on the roads, crossing the roads, walking along the pavements, I'll definitely remember that and basically take that with me for the future. Definitely. Great. Yeah. So here's what I've got for you. Yeah. I have got some leaves of sunflower from the fifth zodiac. Uh, Now, how do I know it's the fifth zodiac? The fifth zodiac is from late July to late August. Any sunflower that has been grown and like plucked around now must have been growing in July and August. So when I read that one, I was like, oh, well, that's great. That's a lot of work out of the way. Perfect. So I've got some dried sunflower leaves for you. To wrap it, of course, in a laurel leaf. I I didn't know this. Just a bay leaf. Mm. That's a laurel leaf. There is a wolf's tooth as well, which sounds a lot harder to get than it is. So a a lot of the things like a wolf's tooth or an eye of newt or toe of frog and those things, like it sounds like really metal. I've got to get the eye of a newt for a spell. No, what? How am I going to do? They're they're tiny and quite rare now. And I feel like there's a lot of ethical... Because they're endangered, aren't they, newts, I think? I think so, yeah. So, and a wolf, like, there's no wolves in the UK. How am I going to get the tooth? But it turns out that a wolf's tooth is another name for a thing called a wolf's bane, which is another name for a thing called a monk's hood, which is a type of flower. Oh. Um, and now, are you ready for the wrap? Yeah. Oh, yes, I am, definitely. <laughs> so that we can just make sure that's really nice and tight in there for you. Mm. Oh, I forgot to mention, Adam, there is also another thing that you get with this which is a bit more of a security feature, but it's like a bonus feature for you. So oh, yeah. let's have a look. Moreover, if anything has been taken from him by stealth, let him lay it under his head by night, and he shall see the thief and all the circumstances of the theft. Oh, wow. Incredible. <laughs> so, so, you know, if, if you have got anything that is missing, that you think has been stolen, just pop this under your, your pillow and you should... Should be. I don't know how that. You are going to have to update me on that because I'm not entirely sure how you're going to get that info. But brilliant. Yeah, I'll go and look into it. Definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Good. No. Hey, it's the least I could do. No problem. <laughs> Excellent. So, so yeah, you'll have to. I'll send these to you, and you'll have to let me know how it goes uh, because obviously I'm trying to figure out what magic I'm best at because mm. um, it's a very new world. It's a very exciting world to me, but it's a very new world. Mm. Um, was that right, Adam? Vicky, you mentioned that you had some spells that you were you were thinking of swapping. Oh, yes, definitely. So, basically, I do watch a lot of fantasy TV, and obviously I watch Harry Potter, and I've watched the latest version of The Worst Witch, and basically, I know in the latest version of The Worst Witch, when they cast spells, they do a lot of rhyming words and everything. So I was very interested in coming up with my own kind of rhyming spells and everything. And basically, I know that lots of people sometimes find it very difficult to sleep. And I came up with a spell to help either a friend or a loved one fall asleep basically and so if you're worried about your loved one falling asleep and having enough sleep I was thinking that first of all you can tell your loved ones to find the most comfortable pillow in their bedrooms tell them to hold it feel it and smell it and then tell them to lie down on their beds and rest their heads on the pillow And then basically they should breathe in and breathe out, breathe in and breathe out 
and then to help your loved one fall asleep, you cast this magical charm to them and it goes like this. The time has now come for a magical spell that will help you to fully relax and sleep well. Just leave your stress and your worries behind and go to a dreamland where you can unwind. This is great to have, Adam, because yeah. I'll be honest, my ancestors have really let me down in the sleep department. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. glad that we have this here. And sometimes we can be so busy in our lives as well and it's very hard to relax sometimes and that could lead to not getting much sleep if you've got stressful things coming up or a lot of things to do and sometimes that can contribute to not getting enough sleep and yeah it's a very tricky thing to manage definitely you know so how do you how do you find sleeping vicky I'm really good at sleeping, which is quite unusual for someone yeah, with ADHD. I realise, yeah, it is one of my talents, so I'm really lucky. Mm. I do feel very talented in the sleep department. Mm. What if you if you if outside of the spell? What what your what do you do to try and get to sleep? Um, Adam or Vicky, what are your what are your top tips for trying to get off? So I have. A method where I complete a very complex ice cream order, um, <laughs> which I do try to say to my partner because he doesn't sleep very well. And I do say, look, all you need to do is just think of an ice cream. Like, you think exactly how you want it. What's the cone like? Like, what texture is the ice cream? Like, what sauce do you want? Like, and it just gets so much. And I think... For me, my brain is then going into an imaginative zone and then it's into dreamland really easily. Nice. But apparently it doesn't really work for anyone else except me, so it's a shame because I want to be able to pass on my skill, but it seems to be quite an individual thing. And do you, do you have ice cream heavy dreams at all? I don't. I don't even eat very much ice cream, to be honest. It's just something I've done since I was little. Wow. Yeah. That's a great tip. I love that. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll do the spell, obviously, but I'm also going to make some ice cream as I do. Well, I'll yeah. think about making the ice cream. <laughs> I will start making the actual ice cream and then that's yeah. And then you'll be like spinning out, yeah. <laughs> Adam's written some like beautiful spells and I was just wondering if we could choose one more to like send us on our way. Brilliant. Yeah, fantastic. Excellent. Absolutely. I'll just Sorry, find I'll one on now. That's okay. Just find <laughs> one now. Yeah. So... I think this is a spell to give someone, a loved one, or your friends, a spell for good luck, basically. So it goes like this. I wish you good luck on a wonderful day. I wish you good luck every day. I wish you good luck on this wonderful day. I wish you good luck every day. Brilliant. So that's the kind of spell I came up with, definitely. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. Have you got have you got more? Have you got more spells or are they the two? Yeah, I've got some the more. One, yeah. The watch, the watch. Oh yes. Watch Fantastic. Have you, have you have you made spells before or, or are these fresh are these fresh for the for this episode or, or do you make spells regularly? I think uh I think these ones are just for the a freshness for this episode i've made a few little Whoa, others before so, so definitely so i just have uh, one more so tick tock i love 
this watch that's wrapped around my wrist. Tick tock, I feel so calm and absolutely blissed. Fantastic. Yeah, that brilliant. Yeah, I love that one. I think that's my favorite. I really <laughs> thank you so it. much. Thank, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, and thank you, Vicky. Thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been so great good. to chat with you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon. Yeah, Bye. take care. Bye. 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 It was great speaking with um, Blink Dance Theatre about their collaboration and how they work as a team. Uh, and it still got me thinking that, you know, I wasn't able to collaborate with the garden centre. I, I mean, I got leaves off my neighbour. I don't know if that counts. That devil in my head was an absolute liability. So um, I, I turned instead to the to the one person I often turn to when I have doubts. My friend and comedian, Daniel Nicholas, he's an award-winning comedian, a, a producer and a theatre maker who's worked uh, across all sorts of different um, different creative, creative practices uh, to make loads of really interesting work. And I've gigged with him for years. We've played video games together and, and, and I thought I'd see what his advice was. Hello. Hey, Dan. Hey, Lee. How you doing? Yeah, I, I, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Just reading about this Wiley Coyote movie that got cancelled. What? It's been cancelled? Well, they hear they like, made it and then like canned it and they just like <sighs> wrote it off. No. I was very excited. As, as you can imagine, as somebody who... who really holds out hope for the Looney Tunes eventually making one good movie. I was really hoping that that was going to be that. Is Space Jam not that movie? Pat, for me, no. I think I'm nostalgia need to have a watch. Uh, no, look, I, I, look, I don't mind watching, I'm not against, I'm not anti-Space Jam, but I'm just not, Space Jam is not a good film. That's what, that's my, that's my opinion. It's not, I don't know, it's 90 minutes, not 60 minutes. <laughs> Are the cameras pointed in the right direction? Yeah, it's the novelty of like seeing the Looney Tunes doing something rather than it being like a film that's really like got a really good like narrative and characters that you believe in and stuff. Anyway, you okay? What's going on? Yeah, I'm fine. I I, I wanted to I wanted to call you up and ask for a bit of advice because I um I'm thinking about collaboration. I've got some guests on this episode of the podcast uh, who do loads of really exciting co-creation collaboration stuff, and I feel like it's not something I'm very good at. And I, like, but when I think of people who I know who like is in the comedy world or wherever collaborate so much, like it, you're 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 the person who I think I, I think of each time, like because you know you've done loads of projects. You did like that dance. Was it dance? D A N C E. How do you how do you say that one? Uh, I say D A N C E. Like uh, the Justice song. Okay, yeah, and that was that was comedians with dancers. Yeah. And that was great. And then you did um you did Conversation Garden as well, which was like sort of improv comedy but you were also like working with the audience for that yeah yeah and there's three of us on stage so, yeah yeah and then it's like the big variety it's not just comedians like working with theater makers as a producer and things and i don't know i don't it's it's something that i feel like i'm not great at giving control over to people or being that open with people and i just wanted to to see what you thought like how you find it um, yeah, I get what you mean. Like coming from a comedy background, where like your uh, practice is kind of you make work exclusively on your own, and your feedback is like audience members, and actually asking for other feedback can be quite hard, kind of thing. Or having opening up that creative process is um, 
is a completely different world. But I think it's great, like having someone in a room with you, someone that you trust, whose opinion you respect, can really help with like roadblocks or like problem solving, or even just having someone to like have a laugh and kick ideas around with can really make a difference as opposed to like being in like a rehearsal room, like nine to five kind of Hmm. being like, I've only got myself to hold to account to come up with these ideas. And what are you talking about anyway? Like you collaborate, we we collaborate on cultural comedy tours. Like you're already doing it and you're good at that. Like so. Oh yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Is that collaboration? Eddie is Ellen. You know, your producer. We literally collaborate on this whole podcast together. And you keep asking me to put spooky sound effects everywhere. Not a clue what that's about. Feeling a very weird sense of rejection right now. Bombastic side eye. Collaboration is just like another word for working with other people. Like, I don't know how you can get that wrong unless you're like really bad with people, which you're not. So. Oh, that's kind of you to say. I mean, collaboration, like, it's like a, a game of basketball. And think of yourself as like Bugs Bunny or. <laughs> Has or Jackie Dark. Like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work as a team. And, uh, and that's how you defeat the monsters, which is, in this analogy, your self doubt. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming you're Michael Jordan then. I, w- I wouldn't want to. <laughs> I wouldn't be the one to say that. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. So, I guess I kind of do collaboration. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe the devil was right. Which is not a sentence you normally hear. Like, maybe it's just it's just something you practice and you have to get used to. And sometimes it feels uncomfortable because working with people uh, is out of your comfort zone. But it pushes you to try new things and, 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 and change and develop and be more open. And that's really important. So I guess he was right. Yeah, I was right about that. And I was also right about how the Venga Boys, their party album, listen, it is a concept album, and you'll need to spend a lot of your life finding out about that and trying to tell other people and contacting the Venga Boys. Enough, enough. Where was I? Oh, I don't know. Uh, But what I do know is that I have right here the results of the spells, because of course we have a guest on cast a spell for them we send it off to them we see if it's worked and so i have got two this time so far i'm two for two i've successfully prevented doom scrolling uh not not prevent reduced doom scrolling uh with jen uh i have also uh, a bonus effect helped prevent jet lag with alice christina corrigan so uh, i'm 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 storming it so far so let's see how these guys uh went here's vicky first I've tried a few different things. So I went to my auntie and uncle's farm and I took the potion with me and the cows, they normally are quite friendly and they let me stroke them. But I think uh, I was probably walking in a bit of a suspicious way and they wouldn't let me go near them to put the potion on. Um, So I then I did try and like sort of like 
go to my park and find some pigeons and um, I thought I'm not going to be able to rub it on the pigeon's neck so I thought oh with the cows I'll probably be able to rub it on the neck and they're and it's sort of like ox I thought I'm probably not going to get anywhere because they know they're suspicious of me um, but the pigeons I thought I'll just try and like drip it on them but um, again yeah they weren't they were just very suspicious, even though I'm an actor, I think I wasn't very calm. Um, so thankfully we're doing our show and um, we've had a very new uh, wig, wig specimen, Elvis's wig come in and um, we all thought, oh, that looks quite uh, like it might be able to come to life with the potion. So we put the potion onto the wig and um, lo and behold, it actually did uh, come to life as you can see from the video so not only does it help me um you know potentially haven't actually been able to try it out yet um feel like i can have the comfort of animals where, wherever i am and um, it also can make inanimate objects such as wigs come to life um as brand new living animals which is just magnificent so thank you so much eddie you've changed my life um and uh i wish everyone listening to this podcast and yourself um lots of good health and wellness what a lovely way to be told that through exhaustive testing the spell didn't work that it's our first bounce it's our first bounce i know the wig came to life but that wasn't what we were after that's the equivalent of asking someone to come in your house and fix your boiler and then next thing you know you've got like double glazed windows it's i mean it's 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 something but it's not what you wanted necessarily but then that's magic, maybe. Mm, I don't know. It's. Uh, but thank you, Vicky, for giving it a good go. And of course, she did send me that video of the wig uh, coming to life, which you can see. I'm going to put that on on my social media, so you can see that at e d y h u r s t on uh, Twitter or Instagram, or have a look where else I am. Uh, why not? Um, let's see how we went with Adam. I just want to say that the potion that Eddie has given me has really helped me to calm down, relax, forget about the worries in the outside world. And it's helped me to feel that I am in a safe and secure place. And also it's helped me to sleep well and think of positive thoughts. It took a bit of time to get it working, but eventually it has helped with a lot of things. And I'm really, really, really grateful for the potion. So thank you very much. It was fantastic taking part in the podcast and I'm really grateful for it. Thank you. Well, that's like, a, I feel like that cancels out uh, the, 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 I feel like that cancels, cancels out the previous bounce, right? That's like a, a, a bounce, that's like a triple, you know, like a triple jump where you, you do a little bounce first and then it's a bigger jump. That's exactly what this is. That's the only thing I can conclude here. So I'm not going to explore the placebo effect at all. Uh, there's no need to. So if you would like uh, me to have a go at a spell for you as listeners, please do get in touch. Send us a message. Uh, you can go on my website, eddiehurst.co.uk, or, or like I said, the social medias, which is at edyhurst. Please do like, share, and subscribe. And keep an eye out on Blink. You can follow them on X, Twitter. It's Twitter. At Blink underscore dance. Uh, on Instagram, at blink.dance.theatre 
on Facebook as Blink Dance Theatre and you can check out their website which is blinkdancetheatre.org and thanks to Dan as well for his uh, always reassuring phone calls you can follow him at Ellison Nicholas on on uh, social media or Ellison Nicholas Things if you want as well uh, or just have a look at his website which is, which is danielnicholas.co.uk thank you so much for listening to I Put a Spell on You uh, with me, Eddie Hurst, and I will see you next week as we are joined by the fantastic writer, uh, comedian, Lawrence Clark. Uh, we'll be talking to him about um, his, his writing background. Uh, also, he's a, he's a PhD-holding doctor uh, in, 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 in computer sciences and molecular biology, which is just a, just a by-the-by. That's not the main focus of the, of the conversation. And also, of course, we provide him with the much-needed spell are finally levelling the playing field against his very competitive son at board games. Will I continue my rolling success, or will will I bounce like a potion on the back of a cow's neck? There's only one way to find out, guys. Join me next week. Mm-hmm.